You did more than I ever expected. Turning around for me. Y'all might as well stay there. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, you done given us a taste of our future. You have given us a taste of our future. The sound of this house, a sound of deliverance, a sound of warfare, a sound of breakthrough, a sound of praise and a sound of worship. Now, Lord God, you have set us up for something even bigger. So, Lord, I pray that as this word comes forth, that you speak through me. You've given me this word. You've encouraged me with this word, even in the midst of everything I've, I've dealt with. But I pray that what you have spoken to me comes out to them. And we give you the glory and praise, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be quick. Yeah. Now you're going to make me sing. I can't sing. I'm going to try to put this on the podcast. <laughs> so we've been in this series called You Can Catch These Hands. Now, I know that sounds a little hood and a little violent. I done got, I done got a little bit of hood on you, Elric, since the last time you saw me. So previously in this series, the first message was, it's a trap. And we talked about how... Um, our journey is a long game, and the short games keep us in cycles, so we broke the cycles on the first message. The second message was Sister Lot syndrome. And Sister Lot suffered from bitterness. See, see, see Brother Reuben spoke a good word today, that, that, you know, you can't get stuck. She got stuck in her bitterness, all because she turned back. God done, God done meteor struck your past. Don't look back. Don't, don't, don't look back. Then the last message was secretary birds. Sometimes we can soar like eagles. Sometimes we can settle like doves. But then there's those times when you got to pick up your feet and stomp on them snakes. So I had two scriptures, but we're only going to live in one. I might mention the other. We're going to make this quick because we're about to go to a whole nother level. I have been a worship leader literally the majority of my life. I have been in ministry since I was nine years old. And this journey, this process has not been easy. A year ago, I sat in this very spot. And I revealed my secrets to him. And I didn't do like other people did. And just went on about business. For the request of God and my wife to speak to me. And I didn't want to take those six months off because you have to understand that my life has been ministry. 
but I never ministered to myself. And the beauty of that six months was that I learned about the goodness of God. Second one, two, my mic keep going out like, like, it, like God is on mine, but you know what? We're going to work it out in Jesus' name. I learned how to praise God in the most difficult place of my life. And praising God is not just about what you see on Sunday. It's about what happens when you leave that parking lot and then when you come back the next week. That I had to get reacquainted with the concept of praise, not as performance, but as purpose. And here's the thing. I could talk about the story of Gideon when he had the 300 and he had, and, he, they were in, and their, their enemies were in the valley. And God said, get up, get, get pots and horns and stand around them and, get, and, and, and begin to cry out and confuse your enemy. We could have talked about that. We could have talked about the song of Miriam. I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. I will sing unto the Lord. The horse and the rider have fallen into the sea. We could, we could talk about that. But I want to talk about David. 2 Samuel 6, 12 through 22. And to give you some, some foregrounding in the best, that the Ark of the, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Lord was being returned to Jerusalem. Before this, somebody touched the Ark and they died. If you're not clean, you're not supposed to touch that Ark. And King David was leading the procession. And we're going to start here. Now, King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he had because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person and the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women. And all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler of the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls she spoke of, I will be held in honor. And I will become even more undignified 
in me. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by the slave girl she spoke of, I will be held in honor. Let me give you some clarity because people have taught this story wrong. David did not dance himself naked. He danced out of his priestly garments. He was fully covered, y'all. Amen? Am I, professor, am, I, am I talking right, Professor? That he danced out of his priestly garments before the Lord. Why am I using this text for the message, don't push me? Because when, when Michael challenged his praise, He said it eloquently, but I'm about to say it for real, for real. Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Don't push me. Don't try me, woman. Because I'll take it to a whole nother level. The thing that we have forgotten and something that we have to learn, especially in the season that we are about to walk into as a church, is that they might talk about the praise, but they don't understand the fight and the victory behind it. Like literally, people, I, I, true vision and lost their mind. Pastor running around, pastor on the video running around, singing and praying over folk, and they dancing and jumping up and down because you don't understand the fight and the victory behind the praise. That when the Ark of the Covenant was being brought back, it was being brought back from their enemy. Because here's the thing, the people, the, the Israelites' enemies tried, always like trying to take the Ark, but since they were impure, they will always get jacked up. The Philistines took it once. And they all ended up getting hemorrhoids. They tried to pray to the hemorrhoids. And the hemorrhoids were like, and, it, and they like gilded the hemorrhoids and prayed to them like, are y'all going to help us out? And they realized, hmm, this ark that we have that is captured, we might want to take it back. When they took it back, the hemorrhoids stopped. People fail to realize the fight that you have that, that, that comes with a praise. Because you ask yourself, I've been asking myself all weekend this question, how can you praise God at a time like this? can you praise God when the movers cancel and you have to force the, you are like, okay, let's get this, this truck and move. Because some folk would be like, blah, 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 blah. how can you praise God at a time like this? How, how can I praise God when I was at the brink of losing it all? How can I glorify God? But, but it's because he sustained me. We forget that in the midst of everything that we go through, God sustains us. David understood this. That's why when the presence of God entered its rightful place, he began to praise and dance before God because there was a fight and a victory behind that praise. And his wife, you tripping, I don't know why you dancing. I can take it a whole step higher. Don't push me. Don't don't sit here. Don't 
Don't, don't, don't write a check you can't cash. Because that's what God that delivers. In the times that you go through in life, instead of curling up in a ball and falling apart, rather than yelling at God, praise him. What does it mean to praise him? When you praise him, you are, you are speaking of his greatness. That yes, you're stuck in this place. You're stuck in this situation. You are fighting for your life. But God has set, God has done so much that he is faithful to his word. He will still provide. He will still heal. He will still deliver. And if we come into this thing with that mindset, if we come into to the house of God with that mindset, when we come at our, get our tripping kids with that mindset, when we come to the boss that's getting on your last nerves with that mindset, you, you, the situation's there, but you know a God that is bigger than the situation. And yes, there's a fight, but there's also a victory. So if I'm jumping up and down like I lost my mind, it's because I remembered the past 365 plus days of my life. That I remember laying on the couch after not eating for four days, being afraid that I lost it all. I remember dealing with the difficult night's sleep of, 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 you know, dealing with the diagnoses, dealing with all these things. But I thank God that I can sit here a year later and say, don't push me because God's been that good. So, so, so what does this have to do with catching these hands? That, that, the, that praise is a weapon. I told y'all about the story of Gideon. That praise confuses the enemy. That, that if you look at biblical warfare, the tribe of Judah was sent out first. They were the drummers and the horn players because the sound prepared the way for the battle. We have watered down praise to a genre or a speed. But it has not become our personal practice. And what you saw tonight, I'm serious, what you saw tonight is a glimpse into our future. That in the middle of praise and worship, I will come off this stage and I will start praying and laying hands on folk. Because sometimes it can't wait till the word comes. Because you have to fight if it's your praise to get a victory. You have to fight. You're going to have to get ugly. You might have to run around this church. You might have to jump. They might not understand why sister going off in that corner. It's not because she has a victory. She's fighting something. And she took a lesson from Secretary Bird that the God of peace will crush Satan under his feet soon. I'm going to be good because I'm losing my voice. I got to be good. That that we have to understand that, that, that we have to begin to speak well of God, even in the valley, lessons from the valley, that, that the valley is a place of preparation to climb the mountain, that you sometimes have to get, you're going to have to open up your mouth and thank God in a thankless situation. You're going to have to open up your mouth and thank God when, when, when your husband is acting a hot sizzling mess on the planet. You're going to have to praise God when they said it was terminal, but I know a God that can change a diagnosis. That we have to, be, we have to realize that our praise is a weapon of warfare and power. Thank you, baby. 
That our praise is a weapon of warfare and power and not just a song speed, not just a genre, not just what an artist does, not just what the worship leader tell you to do. That it comes from the inside of you and becomes manifested on the outside. So, so, so excuse me if over, the, if over the next year that I get ridiculous. Excuse me if I lose my mind because I have learned to use the weapon that God has blessed me with. I've learned. And God has blessed this church to be a place of praise and worship. We're going to give God his due. I know Norman Mindy said one of the first things I liked about this church is that we don't rush praise and worship. Yes, I know the service says hour and a half, but if the Holy Ghost said go over, guess what? We're going over. If I don't end up preaching, guess what? I ain't preaching. There have been some Sundays where I said, did you get your praise and worship in the car? Yes, good. Open your Bibles because I got to take my time. Y'all seen me do it. I got to take my time today. Let me get two songs. Yep, I got to take my time today. <laughs> but when you leave here, I need you to understand. I'm gonna, and I'm going to re reveal something in this, that God has revealed to me in the spirit. That, that we are dealing with a city that is, that is under a heaviness and under, under a, an oppression, and the praisers have been silenced. That, that the praisers, the people who are willing to extol God, no matter what it takes, have been silenced because of convenience, because of frustration, because that don't fit the program. You don't understand that the, that the person who's been waving that flag and dancing all up and down your sanctuary has been an intercessor for your entire church. And, and it gets, uh, it's time for us to get to a point where, yes, you might not like my praise, but my praise is protecting your, your flock. That my praise is what's keeping me alive. My, that praise is what's keeping me sane. So don't push me because I'll get worse. Don't push me. Don't at me. Don't, don't try to fight me because you're going to see another level. Because I know a God who has carried me through hell and back. And I, he deserves all of my praise. All of it. Everybody say all of it. So the second scripture was Acts. And it's the story of Paul and Silas that Paul and Silas were, were ministering to this slave girl who was a fortune teller. It's, um, and pull up the scripture for me, trying. It's the next one. That, that she, they were ministering to a young girl who was a fortune teller. And then she got money for her people. And then she, got, she was walking around talking about, oh, oh they the men of God. They, they blessed by the Lord. They, they keep going, keep going, because I'm, I'm summarizing. I, I got to get to the park because I, I need to get y'all home. Keep clicking, because um, I got to get them home. And then she said, she kept this going. I'm going to keep reading the scripture. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Let's keep going. When her owners realized that her hope of, their hope of making money was gone, they paycheck left. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews, and they are throwing our city into an uproar. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. 
When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Y'all ready? Go to the next scripture. Oh, the next scripture, because the screen said, I retire from the game of scripturing. All right, I got you. Mm-hmm. Yes, Lord. And verse 25 that didn't get put on the screen says this, and at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. There was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors were flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. That Paul and Silas, you have to understand that had they stayed in that prison, yes, they got beat beat up bloody, but had they stayed in their prison because Christianity was illegal according to Roman law, it wasn't until 300 AD to everybody's like, Constantine's like, guess what, everybody Christian, all y'all saved, everybody saved now. But, but before all that, that, that the way Christianity was seen as a fringe extremist group. So, so they, were, they, they got beat and thrown in jail, but if, had they stayed in the jail, it, it would have got worse. So rather than staying in the situation like some of us would have, they began to pray and sing hymns, sing praises to God. They said, all right, you can beat us, don't push us, guess up. I, my, I might be chained up a hand and foot, but my mouth ain't chained up. And because they, when they, be, they prayed and sang praises to God, and God set them free. I need people to understand that, that, that we can no longer sit in silence and let the enemy chain us up and we think because our hands and our feet are bound up or we're stuck in a situation. Let me talk to you real quick. Because you're stuck in a situation, you're going through something, you're dealing with something, that, that everything, everything possible is trying to hold you back. In fact, it was probably a fight for you to even get to church this afternoon, let alone tonight. But I'm telling you about the Spirit of God. If, it, if, if they chain up your hands and they chain up your feet, you still got a mouth. That if that they can't shut you up. You, you have been created and called to declare the goodness of God. And as you open up your mouth, your situation is going to shift. And the, and, and the reason why it's like, Pastor Cass, why are you telling me? Because people have trained you to stay silent. But guess what, baby? You, cannot, you can no longer be silent. And if they keep trying to cry, you say, don't push me. I can get worse. Don't push me. I'm going to get louder. I'm going to decree and declare the goodness of God over my life. I'm trying not to tune up because I'm trying to get us out of here on time. That the biggest that we have to stop. Sometimes it's good to whisper, but sometimes you got to holler. And the direction, the reason why we went from a culture of sharers to you can catch, we went on nice and fluffy with a culture of sharers to, to you can catch these hands because the season, God's hand is on True Vision Christian community. That God is doing something in this church that this city has not seen before. And the beauty of this thing is that we are going to face opposition. So the question is, instead of doing what you did at your last church, instead of doing what, instead of, instead of 
doing and acting as you did in the past and what you have done, instead of letting the enemy run roughshod over your household and over your family, pray and praise until something happens. And after, the, after that thing happens, the next step you need to do is keep praying and praising because there's, a, there's more to the story. And now we are moving into a season of healing and deliverance and breakthrough through the concept of our worship. So don't push me. Some of the old folks say, I got something for you. Don't push me. My praise is my weapon. Don't push me. I heard Karen Clark's here say, don't worry, I'll shout in your face. And will. Don't push me. Do not accept a defeat that, that you think belongs to you. God, speak well of him. It might look crazy, but you need to do it. Amen. The next time you go to church and you lift your hands up and somebody looks at you like, see, see, here we don't do that. We just let you do whatever. But if you go to church and you lift up your hands, why are you lifting your hands? Because God's been that good. Don't push me. I'll jump. I'll lift and jump. Don't play. Don't play with me. I'll lift, jump, and clap at the same time. Don't play. Because my praise is both a fight and a victory. We'll make this last point, then we won't go home. Do you know why indigenous cultures dance? If you look at indigenous cultures, or cultures in general, there is some form of dance. America is kind of like, we, we like, we um, steal, everybody shine. Oh, I like that dance, I'm going to take it. If you look at other people, other cultures, there is some form of dance. If you look at indigenous cultures, that means our Native American brothers and sisters, our, our, um, our, our Pacific Islander tribes, African tribes, there is some form of dance. Why do they dance? Because their dance tells a story. Did y'all know that? Their dance tells history. Their dance tells ceremony. They don't have to talk. They just dance. Why, why am I preparing you for this? I told you tonight was a glimpse into our immediate future. So if you see somebody dancing, woo, if you see somebody dancing, it's because they're telling you the goodness of God. And the Lord just told me that that there's going to be there's going to be such a freedom in this house that the worship leaders were not going to say you need to get up and praise God. I don't do that in the first place. I'm not doing spiritual tie bow for nobody. Um, but as as God continues to shift this house, you're going to see a freedom hit this place. And <laughs> I wish I could keep you. I know I got you. But I wish I can keep you. No, Zion, you don't understand. I was praying, I have specifically prayed about who, who I needed to have come tonight. And God said you. I said, God, I ain't seen this, seen this kid in like two, three years. We was at new connections way before the pandemic. And God said, there's something in his hands. 
that needs to be deposited into this house. It's not about the skill. There's people who are skilled but can't play you out of a can't play you out of a bucket. But there's something about the anointing. There's something about because true Levites are able to preach, play, and prophesy. Let me come, let me get comfortable in this chair because I gotta talk to you for a second. This is gonna be on the podcast, so in case you need to hear it again, you can go listen to it. That true Levites are able to preach, play, and prophesy. Because a true worship leader, the true medal of a worship leader is do they is are they able to don't only not only know the word, but can they sing the word and then can they disseminate it in a way that people can understand it? And the thing is, the generation that's rising up, they can sing. They can play, but they cannot declare, and they show can't prophesy. So God, that's why I'm like, I wish I could keep you, because the oil, because there's there is a atmosphere shearing, shifting anointing that is in your hand, and that's the reason why in many ministries you get rejected because they know as soon as your hand touches a piano or an organ, all bets are off. Your wife is like, mm-hmm. Like she, she, she know me. She know me. I don't, I don't play when it comes to prophetic. I was prophesying to her in class. <laughs> people have rejected you. People have blocked you because they know once you touch that organ or that keyboard, all the mess that's been happening in that musician pit gonna get revealed. All the foolishness that's happening in the choir stand. Is going to get take is going to get cast out. There are even some pastors who have blocked you because they know once you start playing, they can't just hoop and holler and perform anymore. They have to flow in a in a way that's going to mess up their entire plan. They might not get a check after that service because you understand the significance of sound. You might not be the most skilled, but I'll take anointing over skill any day. So when the people look at you and look at your wife and say, because mm, you know how come with people be, mm, they do it to me too. That, that, mm. well. Look, I'll say I'm lying. I'm like, mm, well. Look at you, you know what? Don't push me. I got to praise. I got to. I got to go over here and praise because God is setting you up and setting you up too. Because I told you this, when you were in the 11th grade, you're going to be a pastor's wife. Guess what? She looked at me like, no. I'm like, mm -hmm, I know what I see. God is setting you up to be in this spot. God is setting you up. God is giving you a word for a generation. God has given you. It's different from the grain. That's why God had you leave that church, everything you knew to go with Bishop Hafiz. Because there was something that he needed to pull out of you. Because I was asking God when y'all left, why did y'all leave? And God said, there's something that needs to be drawn out of you. 
that a prophet needs to draw on. There was oil that hadn't been crushed out. But God is setting you up and ordering your steps to you. To you. And it's not going to be planned. It's just going to happen. To you. Nicole, don't get mad at me, but y'all about to have another. Y'all going to have another kid. The kids are going to come first, and the doors of the church are going to open. Don't get, I'm just doing what, saying what the Lord told me to say. <laughs> People are like, and I don't typically prophesy kids because they tend to have the children. <laughs> Do not let people destroy the oil. Do not let people pimp out lucre. You got the right one by your side. She'll cut him. And Kelante Gavin, I know y'all met him, but there is something that he specifically imparted into you. Did he pray for y'all? There is something that he specifically imparted into you that's going to manifest in about six months. Mm -hmm. That's why I said I wish I can keep you because I know I can't. Because God has bigger for you than you can even imagine. So the next time people ignore you, sit on you, act like you ain't capable, just say, don't push me. Because I'm an atmosphere shifter. I'm a world changer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Let me come over here. I bless him. God, you sent him here. You called him here to shift this place into a gear that we only dreamed of. So, Lord God, I pray right now, everything that he has given out, everything that he has released tonight, let him see the fullness of it quickly. Lord God, I pray for the oil that you have blessed him with. And Lord God, I pray that those who come around him cherish it and don't try to manipulate it. The prophetic call that is on his life, Lord God, I pray that you enhance it a thousandfold. Give him sight upon sight. Lord God, let him walk into a place and discern the atmosphere. And move quickly. And Lord, also give him the strength to dust his feet when the doors are slammed in his face. And Lord God, I, mm, my God, Lord God, I, I thank you for the apostolic call that you have placed on his life. You have sent him, set him in the, in the seats of bishops and apostles. He doesn't understand, like, why am I sitting here? Because you have been preparing him for his future. Lord God, I speak your blessing upon him. I speak 
your, ble your blessing upon his wife. Lord God, I thank you for the woman of God that you have made her. God, I thank you for answering my prayers that I prayed over her when she was in high school. And Lord God, as the word begins to flow from her, Lord God, let them be a one-two punch in the kingdom. If they, if they get one, they get both. And God, I pray for the future generations. I pray for the son that is going to come in the name of Jesus. That he be like his father. A humble powerhouse. Willing to serve and willing to love. And God, we just give you glory and praise. I thank you for the honor of knowing him. Lord, I pray that you reveal it. God, let me see the manifestation of these words. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise? See, I'm, I'm one of them pastors that I, I'm, I'm going to sit here and be like, we're going to be here tonight. Like, mm -mm, mm -mm. Nope, nope. I have an apartment to clean out, so nope, that's not going to be a thing. Praise God. Y'all have a good time tonight. Well, y'all, our hearts full by the word. Amen. Amen. Hi. Welcome home. Welcome home. Three years. You've been processing and processing and processing. The next three years of your life are going to launch you into rooms and places that you thought you didn't deserve. That doors, I keep seeing like doors on doors on doors on doors. Like one opens and like you open up one door and it's like 50 open. And when that moment happens, you better take her and run. Because you will not have to struggle like the rest of your family has had to struggle in the past. That was never your portion. See, I remember, because he was one of my students, too. He's one of my favorites. See, I'm teaching college now, so I can tell you you was one of my favorites, and you already know you was one of my favorites. You no, you knew. You want the few who knew from jump. Like, yeah, this is one of my kids. Touch them. But because of your faithfulness, because of your willingness to do what is right, even if it was difficult, even when people teased you, messed with you, talked about you, like, I don't understand why Elric can do it because this next three, three years are about to show all them people who put their mouth on you what happens when you're faithful to the things of God. Door, 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 literally. It's going to go, and you're just going to run. And the thing, but the thing is, you're not going to be selfish with it. You're not selfish with anything. But as you run, the blessing is going to hit those who have stayed with you. You thought your dreams were big, but God is going to show you how big he is. 
you won't, you won't be sitting at tables that you thought you never, you won't meet people that you thought were way out of your league. But because of your faithfulness to God and your faithfulness to the things of God that have spoken over your life, you about to have some fun. God, <laughs> you, you about to have some fun. God is about to blow your mind. I got I to gotta get us home. It's nice to be able to minister without muck and all this other stuff and all the things that try to block you. Beautiful thing. So, this is our last R3 encounter for the year. Bad tears. But we will be coming back. We'll be doing this in January. Third, it'll be third Sunday, so unless there's like a holiday, then we'll like move it around or something major. Um, I, th I think in May we don't do one. I don't know. It just worked out weird. Either we don't do one or it's like back on, on another one. Um, I encourage you for all of our visiting friends. Thank you. Thank you guys for coming. I hope to see you again on a Sunday. Sunday's pretty more chill. It's, it's like, honestly, I can't even make that promise anymore. <laughs> I can't make that promise anymore. <laughs> so we're glad you came. Um, but Tanya, thank you so much, sis, for um, jumping in and thinking, with, I miss you. Thank you. Latanya was on the praise and worship team with me at Judah. She would get mad at me. I'd be like, but you still going to sing, though. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming as well. Thank you for being a carrier of peace. It's a beautiful thing when you don't have to fight. And I know that there's been times that you wanted to fight and throw hands, but God, you, you carry the peace of God, really the shalom of God. And it's because of that peace, that door, that, that things shift, tend to shift in your favor. Because God covers and protects you. Literally, we talk about the hedge of protection. God literally has you in like a force field that when mess and foolishness tries to come your way, it goes if it, even, if it gets close to you, it doesn't affect you because God has called you to walk in his peace. And I don't know about the generations before you. I don't know if they probably, I don't know if they was fighters or not, but all I know is this, is that those who will come after you will walk in that same peace and also that same grace. There is a special grace that is on your life. And because of that peace and that grace, God has granted you favor. Favor is not, oh, I'm God's favor. Favor is there are things that you do not deserve, that you do not deserve in the physical that God always gives you in the that, that God tends to give you. It's like jobs. It's like these random things that keep popping up in your life. And you're going, I don't know what, I don't know how this stuff happened. Oh my goodness. Because of the peace and the grace that you carry. Somebody prayed for that. Pray that on you. That, that you walk in this peace and this grace. And because of the peace and the grace, you walk in favor. But you also walk in responsibility. Because you know that everything that has happened in your life is because of the hand of God. So whatever you do, I don't care how difficult things get. 
Walk in that peace. Don't give it up. Don't you ain't got to fight for a spot. Because God, God will make God will move your enemies and your hindrances so that way He will get the glory in the end. All right. I need to start prophesying so we can go home. <laughs> it's glory night. <laughs> it's glory night. God told me to tell you that he is the God of healing and he is the mender of the broken heart. I don't know who dropped you, who broke you, who set you aside, but God has, God, God has set you up in various situations to bring about healing. But you have been so afraid to get the healing, because so many people have hurt you, dropped you, left you, left you for, for, for broke, left you on the side of the road. But the Lord has told me to tell you, sir, that, to, that, that this moment, this day, November 21st, 2021, is the moment that, you, that, that God has impacted you so that the healing can begin. I don't know what the prognosis or the diagnosis is, but God has given you a grace to live. It doesn't matter the level of socioeconomic status that you are or what has happened to you. God has given you the grace to live. You shall live and not die. Not only will you live, you will no longer have to survive. You will be thriving. So I speak to your mortal body in the name of Jesus, and I command your body to live. I don't know what's going on with your back. All I keep seeing is that there is pain here, here, and here, that it constantly hurts you and affects you. And I hear God saying it, that's a weight in the spirit. So we take that weight off and we speak healing to your body. There are burdens that people have tried to put on you that you were not meant to carry. So we take those off of you right now in the name of Jesus. You shall live not just survive. You will live and you will thrive. And as the healing begins, you will find the joy of the Lord. Because the Bible is true and says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And real quick, hi. <laughs> You're like, oh, wow, me? Yes. God told me to tell you that you have a purpose and a calling and a destiny. That your, ex that your existence is not to be idle. You, you are not here. God did not create you to fill a spot. He don't do that. So the dreams that God has given you, instead of hearing the negative voices that tell you, you're going to fail, you can't do that. The devil is a liar and defeated foe. You better chase those visions that God has given you. Chase them. Plan A, plan A prime, plan, plan A, B, plan, plan A. There's no other option. God has given you vision of where your life is meant to go. Do not accept anything less than what God has given you. I'm telling you because I see, I see a lot of me in you. How old are you? You're 19? Yeah. I see, I see a lot of, because yes, I was living my purpose, but I had no idea where I was going. I was doing stuff because people told me that's what I needed to do. But I had to make a decision within myself that I had value. And as I made that decision, because I'm about to save you 10 years of heartache. Don't wait until your 20s to come to this realization. 
I need you to find it now that you have value and you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the master creator. And what God has promised you, what God has said over you, shall come to pass. The only thing that stops it is you. So all the people who have talked about you, who have dogged you, who have bullied you, who have yelled at you, who have chastised you, who told you you have no worth, they were sent from the enemy to lie to you. God told me to tell you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you have purpose. You have, you have purpose. You have dreams. There's companies in your head. There's creative things in your head. But the thing is, people say because of your lot in life, you can't do it. The devil is a liar. And I'm telling you that from experience. I was Poe. Look at me now. Praise God. I was Poe. P-O, Poe. 90s Poe. I, I, I can afford the O-R. That's how Poe we was. I've dealt with so much stuff in my life. If I sat down and told you, you would not believe it. You, you have greatness in you. You have visions and dreams and plans and strategies inside of you. And you do not, you do not have to accept what the previous generations have tried to bind you with. You have the power to say, y'all going that way, but God told me this way and I'm going to go that way. And if you follow God, if you follow what God has given you, the wife that you saw is going to show up, the kids that you saw, even your physical body is the way that you see yourself in your dreams. It's going to be there, and it's going to be more beautiful than the dream. How, why can I tell you this? Because I'm living it.